So I just think we, we mustn't let go of Daryl's word, of not running the, this, the, the yacht on our own steam, of putting up the sail and letting the, the wind of the Spirit take us where the Spirit goes. We, we look at it in, in, in John, uh, I think John chapter 3, uh, Jesus is talking to Nicodemus and, he, and he's saying, you know, we don't know where, where, the wind comes, where the wind comes or where the wind goes and... But, but we need to put up our sails and let's catch God. Let's catch the wind of God's spirit and be taken by him. Because then life is exciting. Under our own steam, when we've got our engines going, we know where we are going. And we set course. But when we are led by the spirit, we don't know where we're going. We're going where he sends us. And so we started about a month ago, we started with Alex talking a little bit about what a disciple is, and I looked at following in the footsteps of, of, the, of, the, of the rabbi, of sitting in the rabbi's feet a couple of weeks ago. And then last week again, we were, we were following Jesus. I've been reading a book by Dallas Willard called The Great Omission. We have a, in Matthew chapter 28, we have a great commission. And the Great Commission is that we go into the world and make disciples of, of men, of men and women, that we make disciples. That's the Great Commission, that we preach the gospel. Let me go to Matthew 28. Let me just read it. I know we all know it well, and, but uh, it says, All authority in heaven on earth has been given to me. So all authority had been given to Jesus, and then he's giving us authority. And what does he say? He says, go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. And behold, I am with you always to the end of the age. So we are called to go and we are called to preach the gospel. We are called to to share the good news. We are called to make disciples. Jockey next week is going to be sharing uh, how we lead people to Jesus. It's, it's a way that he, that he does it. And we, over, the, over the months and ahead, we're going, to, we're going to continue on this theme of making disciples, of sharing the gospel, of how we each individually share our own stories. They overcame the, the, well, they overcame the devil what, by the blood of the Lamb, the word of their testimony, and they love not their lives unto their own, unto death. That's it. Do I see you? Amanda's here too. She's my teacher, and she corrects my English. She's got, she's got a great work with these two black men in this church. Zelani and I, we, like kind of, we, we need a little bit of extra English lessons. Maybe we should go for some extra English lessons. <laughs> yes, and she needs more. If you know of anybody who needs any, any lessons... The greater, the greater mission is sometimes that we don't go and make disciples. We make converts. And in Dallas' Willard's book, I'm going to read just a passage, and maybe I'll get to there in a, in a, in a month's time. But just this thing really gripped me. There's absolutely nothing in what Jesus himself or his early followers that suggests you can decide just to enjoy forgiveness. Look what we've just done today. We have come to the, day, to the table and we've enjoyed the forgiveness of Jesus. We've enjoyed the fact that our sins have been taken away. 
So we can't just enjoy the forgiveness of G- at Jesus' expense and have nothing to do with him from then onwards. Some years ago, A.W. Tozer, I love A.W. Tozer, expressed his feeling, expressed, expressed his feeling that a notable heresy has come into being through the evangelical circles. The widely accepted concept that we humans can choose to accept Christ only because we need Him as Savior and that we have the right to postpone our obedience to Him as, the, as, as Lord as long as we want to. He then goes on to state that salvation apart from obedience is unknown in the sacred scriptures. This heresy has created the impression that it is quite reasonable to be a vampire Christian. One, one in effect says to Jesus, I'd like a little bit of your blood, please. But I don't care to be your student or have your character In fact, won't you just excuse me while I get on with my life? And I'll see you in heaven. Can we really imagine that this is the approach that Jesus finds acceptable? And when you stop to think about it, how could one actually trust him for forgiveness of sins while not trusting him for much more than that? You can't trust him without believing that he was right about everything. And that he alone has the key to every aspect of our lives here on earth. But if you believe that, you will naturally want to stay just as close to him as you can in every aspect of your life. That is, are you a vampire Christian is the little question as I was reading that and having a look at, am I a vampire Christian? Am I just wanting the spoils? Am I just wanting the blessings, the healings, the, uh, the, 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 the wonderful thing that God's, the provision that God lavishes on us? Or am I wanting more? Am I wanting Jesus to be my Savior and my Lord? We call Him Savior and Lord. And it's a journey. Yes, it's a journey throughout our lives. And, and so we're looking at this thing called discipleship. We're looking at, at uh, what it means to be a disciple and how it impacts us and the call of the early disciples. And we remember probably from last week, and I'll read this every week for the rest of the year, I think. Or maybe not. While walking by the Sea of Galilee, he saw two brothers, Simon who is called Peter, and Andrew, his brother, casting a net into the sea, for they were fishermen. And he said to them, Follow me, and I will make you fishers of men. Immediately they left their nets and followed him. And going on from there, he saw two other brothers, James and the son of Zebedee, the son of Zebedee, and John, his brother, in the boat with Zebedee, their father, mending their nets. And he called them. Immediately, they left the boat and followed and, and their father. They left their boat and their father and they followed him. So they left everything to follow him. And then the calling of Matthew. He was a tax collector. As Jesus passed on from there, he saw a man called Matthew sitting at a tax booth and he said to him, Follow me. And he arose and followed him. 
people around actually got quite bleak with that. Why does your teacher eat with tax collectors and sinners? But when he heard it, he said to him, said to them, those who are well have no need of a physician, but those who are sick. Go and learn what this means. I desire mercy and not sacrifice, for I came not to call the righteous, but the sinners. And so we are called by Jesus, the sinners. At one time, you and I were walking and we were lost. We were walking in our own, own way. We were doing our own thing. And we were quite happy with it. And then somebody came along and somebody challenged you with the gospel, challenged you with the good news and said, you need to be saved. You need to be born again. You need to follow Jesus. And there's people here who've said yes. And we said that yes. I I remember that was for me uh, 40-something years ago, 43 years ago, somewhere in that region. 43 years ago, I've said yes. I said yes to Jesus. And I have to say yes to Jesus every single day. Every moment of the day, I have to say yes. I have to say yes, I want you to be my Savior. I want you to be my Lord. Although very often when I look at my own life and look at my own thought process, sometimes I wonder whether I really want Him as Lord. Because He calls me to step out of the boat He calls me into the unknown. And so Jesus stepped into history in the first first century and he was was walking and he was stepped into a time in which there there was a religious, it was a very religious time, it was a very political time, although I suppose in in any any time it's pretty much like that. There's, There's lots of people who are thinking of going after their so called gods. There's the politicians who always. Uh, out to get everybody, and uh, it was that was it was happening there. And the politicians of the day, and the religious people of the day, put Jesus to death. They put Jesus to death, and he knew this. Jesus wasn't caught by surprise. The cross didn't catch him. Oops, oops! I'm in Jerusalem. I shouldn't have been in Jerusalem. Right from the beginning of his ministry, he knew where he was going to go. He knew his destiny. He knew uh, that what awaited him from Jerusalem was a, was a cross, was a bloody cross. Because he had to take your sin and my sin so that we could take his righteousness. We get the righteousness of God. Isn't that amazing? Isn't that fantastic? And so he wanted... Disciples. He wanted to walk with a group of people because he knew that he was going. And so he chose this, this bunch of 12. I mean, if you have a look at, at, the, at the bunch that he chose, they uh, were pretty ordinary people. Sons of thunder. That's, the, that's uh, some of them, uh, tax collectors, fishermen. Just ordinary people. Ordinary, ordinary people. When he chooses tax collectors, people get like really panicky about that. How can you choose a tax collector? When you choose a tax collector, tax collector and sinner were, what does it mean when the same words? Synonymous, synonymous, the same words. (laughs) 
So hopefully no tax collectors. I don't know if nobody works for a receiver here. Nobody work for a receiver? Well, you're, too bra- you're, not, you're not brave enough to put your hand up. Uh, but, uh, yeah, so if you're a tax collector, you are a sinner. And he, he, chooses, he chooses the sinner. And even, even Peter, and we looked at it last week, Peter, when they catch the big catch of fish, the abundance and the, and the boat is, is, is sinking and they've got so much, so much catch, what is, what is Peter's reaction is, 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 that he, is that he realizes that this is God. And he realizes, depart from me, for I am, I am a sinner. When we come into the, uh, into the presence of God, when we come into the presence of Jesus, that's one of the reactions we will have. And so Jesus chooses ordinary people. He chooses sinners. And he doesn't wave a magic wand and say, you are perfect. He walks with them. He walks with them for uh, kind of three years. And on the journey, on the journey, they are transformed. On the journey, we are transformed. Yes, we are born again. Yes, we cannot enter the kingdom of God unless we, uh, unless we are born again. Unless we confess Jesus as our Lord and Savior, we cannot enter the, enter the kingdom of God. But that's really kind of the first little step. And then it's a process. It's a process in which we walk with Jesus. Who's had to sign an MTN or a Vodacom contract recently? And you go to the place and they, I thought in the modern world with computers it was going to be, uh, we would save a few trees. But it doesn't seem like that. The wads of paper that you get for one little cell phone contract and there's like pages and pages of terms and conditions. T's, T's and C's apply. And uh, I don't think anybody, maybe except for Alex, might read them. <laughs> but you just like go to the end and say, yeah, sign, 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 sign. And you've tied yourself up. You're not really, you don't realize how much you've tied yourself up. Uh, so there, there are terms and conditions that apply. And when you and I... Uh, somewhere along the line, encounter Jesus and say yes to Jesus, and we sign a contract. We sign this contract. We sign it at the end, and we say, yes. And you sign your name. You say yes to Jesus. You say, yes, I'm going to follow you. Isn't it, isn't it just amazing that uh, we don't know where we're going? We've got no clue. We got no clue. I mean, wasn't it, was it Abraham? He was called and he, he didn't know where he was going. Now that is daft. None of us sign contracts like that. But that's what we do when we give our lives to Jesus. We actually don't know the details of, of, the lives, of our lives, where God is going to take us. And he might take us through, uh, yeah, he might take us through Egypt. He might take us through, let's have a look at, at some of the places he might take us through. I'll keep it scriptural, just so, that, so it's easy. What is this? He might make us lie down in green pastures. He may lead us beside still waters. He, might, he leads us in paths of righteousness. Yes, he's going to do that. 
but we might also walk through the valley of the shadow of death. So there might be some tough times. In fact, there will be. There will be. But what does he say? I will, I will fear no evil for you are with me. The presence of God is with us. And so even in the tough times, even when we're walking through the valley of the shadow of death, it's we're walking through. We're not camping there. That's not our final destination. You might be going through a hard time and you think, well, I've got to put up tents and I've got to camp and I've got to, I've got to woe is me and have a pity party. No, keep walking. Keep following Jesus. Keep looking to Him. He's the author and perfecter of your faith and my faith. And he's going to get you and I there. And so don't camp wherever it is. Yes, work out your, your, your life. Work out what God is working out. And, and we just see at the end of, end of the page of this contract we sign. You know, if I look at the Scriptures... Scriptures are fierce. Don't read them. <laughs> because you are going to be challenged. <laughs> if you want an easy life, don't read them. If you want a life of fulfillment and content and peace and, and, and joy, read them. Let them become part of you. Let feed, feed on them. Let them change your life. Let them change your life. I mean, this is... Jesus talking again in Matthew 16, 24. He says, Then Jesus told his disciples, If anyone would come after me, let him deny himself, take up his cross, and follow me. Whoever would save his life will lose it, but whoever loses his life for my sake will find it. What will it profit a man if he gains the whole world and forfeits his soul. For what shall a man give in return for his soul? For the Son of Man is going to come with his angels in glory, in the glory of his Father, and then he will repay each person according to what he has done. The call here is to come and deny yourself. The call here is to come and follow him. Come and immediately drop everything. Come and immediately say, yes, I'm going to follow Jesus. In this world in which we live in, I've never got into Twitter. There's twit Twitters and there's tweets and, and twits. But, 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 but I think most of the people who do the twittering and tweeting are twits. <laughs> Oh, right. <laughs> but I do do Facebook, like kind of like the, the older generation do Facebook. We're not into Instagram and, and, and all that other stuff. And all that. There's a whole lot of new stuff, but we're kind of old-fashioned. And we just managed to, we, we, we managed to get into Facebook, like kind of thing. And, and, we, and, we, and, we, and we like and we follow and we, and we do all those kind of things. But uh, following Jesus is not like that. It's not like, oh, there's Jesus. I'm going to follow him. Click. And then we see, oh, we, we, we watch him and we see, oh, he's by the sea and he's, he's, healing, he's healing people. And, oh, he's catching fish. I like, I like, I like, I like. 
back. <laughs> and, then he say, and then he says something which you don't like. Oh, dislike. Oh, no, unfollow. Unfollow. That's too hard. You know, we're quite happy to champion Joe and Avril and Zelani. And uh, who else goes down the valley? Goes down to Stockville. I mean, and the people who live there. We champion you and we pray for you. And we pray that glory cloud, will, the presence of God, will, if it will impact. And, and we've been praying that for, for years now for this community. So your story was amazing. That there's breakthrough, there's breakthrough happening. Why? Because the gospel is being preached in the valley. People are being fed, clothed, uh, and, and the presence of God is there. And things are changing. And so we pray even now, Lord, we prophesy the, down that way. That is where Stockville is. We pray for God's presence to come, for people to come to a point of repentance, that, that uh, the kindness of God, that they will see the kindness of God, that they will see Jesus, and they will repent and turn. So we thank you. And so Joe and Zelani and them always have room to take extra people to go down. And, and pray and, and just and, and be there. So let's not be uh, tweet, twits. Let's not be twits. And just uh, follow the people and say, oh, it's wonderful. Zelani went down there this week. And you can see sometimes he, he puts pictures on Facebook. And, 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 and uh, Joe puts out a, a newsletter once a month. Uh, and so we see that on, on Facebook and, and we like it. I press like. I think you put yours up the other day. I press like. Like. Like, doesn't cost much to, to follow Jesus like that. Doesn't cost much to unfollow him. Just the press of the button. But he came that we... It, the amazing thing about the gospel is it's just such good news, isn't it? It is just the, the simplicity of the gospel. It's just so amazing. I need life. And how do I get that life? By following Jesus, by denying myself. And so, it's a challenge. It's a challenge for you and I. For you and I. We need to follow Jesus. And so I think time is fleeting, but I'm going to look at this being a disciple. Jesus doesn't preach nice, pretty sermons. In John chapter 6, he preaches one of the most offensive sermons ever. John chapter 6, verse 53. So Jesus said to them, Truly, truly, I say to you, unless you eat the flesh of the Son of Man and drink His blood, you have no life in you. Whoever feeds on my flesh and drinks my blood has eternal life, and I will raise him up on the last day. For my flesh is true food, and my blood is true drink. Whoever feeds on my flesh and drinks my blood abides in me, and I in him. Sure. What words? You know, we have a little bit of an advantage. Imagine you being the disciples hearing that for the first time. 
the followers of Jesus, the disciples, there were many following him. Maybe they were following him for the, the food that he provided and the healing that he provided. But there were people who were following him. And he preaches this hard word. Unless you eat the flesh of the Son of Man and drink his blood, you have no life. That sounds like cannibalism, doesn't it? That sounds, that sounds hard to take. It's easy for us because we understand about communion. We understand about his death, burial, and resurrection. We understand, uh, as in, in, the, in, in the little notes of my Bible, it said uh, that uh, he is teaching, he is speaking in terms of physical atoms in this world to teach about spiritual realities. Here to eat Jesus, Jesus' flesh has spiritual meaning of trusting and believing in him especially in his death for the sins of mankind. Similarly, to drink his blood means to trust in his atoning death, which is represented by the shedding of his, of the Lord's, of his blood. Although the, the, Jesus is not specifically speaking about the Lord's, the Lord's Supper here, there is a parallel theme. Because the receiving of eternal life through being united with the Son of Man is represented in the Lord's Supper. And so, this would have been totally offensive to eat and drink somebody's blood. Doesn't it say somewhere in the Old Testament? What does it say about blood in the Old Testament? Come on, you theologians. Life is in the blood, and I don't think you're allowed to drink the blood. You weren't allowed to drink the blood. And now Jesus is saying that. What a, what a statement. Yeah. Yeah, he's reversed it. Suddenly now, it's his blood that brings life to us. We don't have, we don't have, we don't have life if we don't have Jesus. And that's the point. You and I don't have life unless we, unless, if, if we don't have Jesus. And you have a look at, at, at the, the disciples. So most of the people go. So let's have a look at this 12 in that section. So all you guys, after Jesus has said this, all you guys from there, right across there, walk out the door in disgust. How can he say that? And there's just like 12 left. There's just a very few left. And Jesus, like he says to them, do you guys also want to leave? Are you, you also want to leave? Maybe it's a bit cold in here. You also want to leave? And what's Peter's response? Yeah. Where would we go? You are the one that has words of life. I mean, these words were quite difficult. He didn't understand them. Couldn't get most of them. His, his brain was fused. It was like, how does this all apply? And he says, what, is he, what does he say? What verse are we on? Does anybody know what verse I'm preaching from? Hey? <laughs> John 6. Let me go, to the, let me go to, the, to the scripture. We're coming to the end now. We're going to land this plane.
and I can't find it. Ah, you're right at the end, right at the end. Do you want to go as well? Verse 67. Simon Peter answered him, Lord, to whom shall we go? You have the words of eternal life, and we have believed and have come to know that you are the Holy One of God. To whom shall we go? There's a little bit of an indication there that, well, there was no one else to, no one else to go to. So maybe if there was someone else, they would have gone. But they had encountered Jesus. When you encounter Jesus, there's nowhere else to go. Know that. There's nowhere else to go. We try it. We try and we go, and I've done that in my own. I'm sure all of, many of you here have been Christians a long time. We try and run away. We try and go and be big deals and go and go to the nightclubs and party it up. But there's... there's yeah, it's back to Daryl's word. We need the need to let the, the wind of the Spirit blow in our sails and take us. And take us to life. We only have life in Jesus. In Jesus. So let's know that today. Let's know that. That as you are disciples, as you disciple, as you walk with Jesus, He will take you to amazing places. Jesus is wanting to get rid of all your options. All your plan A's and all your plan B's until he's the only option. At every moment, he is not your only option. He is your only option. He is your only option. He's your only option. Why? Where's their life? There's only life in Jesus. Every time Jesus talked, there was life. And Peter and the disciples had left everything to follow that. And even when Jesus said some really harsh and difficult things, they said, we're sticking with you. So are you going to stick with Jesus today? Let's, let's pray. Lord, we thank you for the call. We thank you for the call of Jesus. Lord, we're saying yes to you today even though we don't know all the details of the future. We know that if our lives are in your hands, you're going to take good care of us because you're a good, good father. And you have plans and purposes for us. Plans and purpose to bring us life. And so I just thank you, Lord. I thank you, Lord, that being a disciple is the most wonderful adventure we could ever go on. Because it's about you. It's not about us. Thank you, Lord. Amen. It's not about you. It's about Jesus. Amen.